Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the Social Ninjas. Hiya! With practice, Jeremy and I have reached the point where social anxiety doesn't control our lives. I went from being anxious to speak to people to speaking in front of hundreds of people without a sweat. That's amazing! I went from being anxious to be able to approach anyone to interviewing celebrities in Hollywood and giving free hugs across the world. Now, we both co-host a podcast where we interview amazing human beings. Which is something I would have been terrified to do in the past. And while we aren't battling social anxiety like we used to, we still have mental health that we work to improve every single day. That's why we created this podcast, to be able to provide valuable information to you on how to feel the best you can and also normalize the conversation around mental health because we all have mental health. And if I don't take care of my mental health, I'm not being the best version of myself. Same here. We all need to take care of our mental health and the Social Ninjas podcast is here to help you do just that. A quick note, we are not health professionals and what we say should not be used in place of or replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy the show! Welcome to the Social Ninjas podcast. I am your amazing co-host, Kyle. Join with me as always, the other amazing guy who joins me every time. What is up, Jeremy? Did you just call me amazing? Yes, I did. Aww. You know, it's the first time I've done that. Well, on the podcast, at least. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing good. Thank you. <laughs> What's up, everyone? What up? So we also have a very amazing guest with us today. Guest with us today, Luisa Nicola. What is up, Luisa? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. We're expanding over three different areas. You got me from Australia. We've got LA. We've got everywhere. I feel like we're covering a lot of the map right now. That is very true. Yeah. So for those who don't know who you are, can you give us a little background on yourself and kind of what you're doing now? Yeah, definitely. I am a, I am a neuroscientist and brain coach. So um, a bit about my background. Um, I was a triathlete back in my day. I raced for Australia, went to Beijing and London, and I was quite athletic back in my day. Definitely not like that now. So um don't you know don't ask me what my, my times are now because I probably can't even run a mile but um so back then that was uh when I really started to get into science and medicine and exercise physiology I completed um, my undergrad in Australia and then also did my postgraduate in um, Australia Sydney University as well where I got to focus on neurophysiology and neuroscience and since then over the last five years I started a company neuroathletics so we're a full service neurodiagnostic testing company uh, primarily for elite athletes so what we're doing now is we're looking at NFL players NBA players and basically we look at their brains we we extract data via an EEG, which is an electroencephalogram, and we find out pretty much what's happening in their brain, where are we finding any type of dysfunction, and how do we correct that so they can perform better on the court and on game day. My first question right away is, how, does he, how do you go about doing that? 
Yeah. So, so let me take you through it. So for example, what we do is we put this cap, okay? That's what the EEG is. Now there's leads, okay? What they do is it assesses the functionality of a brain, meaning it assesses their brain waves. We all know that we've got, you know, we've got the alpha brain waves, delta brain waves, and they, they come about when we're doing specific things, like whether we're driving, sleeping, concentrating. So we're able to take a full scan and get a brain map of their brain. So we can find out, well, hey, X, Y, Z, you're, um, you know, for example, your frontal lobe, you know, the, the, the front part, your prefrontal cortex, where, we're, where that's responsible for all of the decision-making skills that we, um, that we do in everyday life. It's not functioning optimally. It's showing blue areas. Blue areas is kind of that um, deactivation. Like they're not, it's not awake. Okay. So we assess that and we say, well, we need you to be firing on the court. We want you to be able to be like a superhuman on the court. And the only way to do that is if we have your brain functioning optimally. So we go, once we do that scan and we get everything from them. So we get a, a brain map, we do EEG, and then we also do um, EKG. From that, we then do a bunch of neurodiagnostic testing. So we may get them to do reaction training drills so we can assess how fast are they at reacting. We can do focus endurance tests because we know that when you're on the court, it's very demanding, not just on your body, but on your brain. You're concentrating. You're trying to get rid of the noise from the crowd. You're trying to listen to what your coach is saying, but you're trying to really scan. You know, you're using all of your peripheral vision. You're trying to figure out, okay, I've got somebody here. They're about to attack me. I've got the ball, but I need to make a short, sharp, and intelligent decision. You've got so much happening in your brain, so we really want to have a high-performing brain so they can be working effectively over a long period of time. So I was, I'm curious because I know I've, I know EEG and all that stuff. But I was curious more so like what act do you actually do to help them improve on those parts of their brains that aren't activated? Yeah, well, look, that's that's. I mean, there's so many different things that we can do, but we right now we are concentrating a lot on like we do anything from a really simple task may even be meditate every single morning. Okay, and that's a oh, really wow. big thing for me. Yeah, it's a. You may not find it like oh. This stuff, the things that you want to do are really, really basic. Once you get the, I always say this, once you get the basics down packed, then we can start to introduce other modalities such as neurofeedback or we can do, um, you know, supplementation, nootropics, which I'm really big on. Um, but little things like God, I call them the God-given not talents, but the things that God gave us, like, are you sleeping well? Sleep is, in my opinion, and I say this over and over and over again, sleep is the most underrated high performance tool that we have. If you can sleep well, if the quality of your sleep is great, then we can move on. Are you hydrating? What are you eating? Um, who are you talking to? How are you spending your time? Once we do all of that, then let's move on to other things. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I've always been really interested especially in like the elite athletes and like how they prepare mentally for game days and stuff like that it, it really fascinates me and I wonder what do you see is like <clears throat> the kind of main differentiator as far as in a neuro sense from like an elite athlete to just an everyday person or maybe like, I don't want to say subpar athletes because they're all amazing but one of the lower down ones Mm. Look, so many people ask this question. It's been asked throughout history. And we always turn to, you know, is it, it's the person who is 
the hungriest or the one who's ready to fight more. And then when you look at a neurological perspective, I really think that that has merits. And I'll tell you why. We have this thing called neuroplasticity, meaning you know what that is. That we, we basically say that neurons that fire together, wire together. So the more habitual you become with certain activities, the stronger the neural networks become. Okay, so just imagine your brain as this interconnected highway. There's all these, there's a hundred billion neurons. They're all going in different directions. Imagine if we kept doing the one thing, we kept going down the same path, that we just kept driving down the same, the same road. If you keep driving down it, you'll know it on the back of your head. You'll know everything. And that's the way that neuroplasticity works. I think that the thing that separates the highest performers, other than DNA, you know, you can't just turn, you know, a four foot human into the best NBA player, for example. So if you've got the right DNA and you've got the right aesthetics, um, the other thing other than that is complete and utter, utter focus. I think to excel in anything in life, you have to be 100% focused. And that doesn't mean just on your craft. That means on the four pillars of high performance. And one of those pillars is mindset or, you know, I say neuroscience now. So it's finding out, digging deep into the science behind who you are. If we, you know, if you can get a DNA test, like a 23andMe test, if you can get a blood test, if you can find out a neurotransmitter test, if you can follow everything, I look at life in a science way, then then if you just follow that, it's like a roadmap that would lead to high performance. You know, just, and to like add on that as an extension, we are living in a world where things get, you know, we're robbed of being focused, such as the telephone. This here is the biggest detriment to sport, I, I believe. I think we can see things on social media and it'll shift our focus. It'll make us feel a different way. This pandemic right now, a lot of people weren't built for um, the damaging effects on this, uh, from this pandemic, from a social perspective, economic perspective, mental perspective, we're losing sleep. And then it just keeps piling up. So if you're able to really focus, calibrate, reset and get back on track, I think that's um, the best way of winning. Hmm. I heard you say four pillars and you said mindset. Did you say the other yeah. three? No. So we've got mindset, we've got, um, you know, phys- physio- physiology. So we've got neurology. This is my, my pillars, physiology, neurology. We've got nutrition. And then I really believe that the other core component is spirituality. And that doesn't wow. mean, yeah, that's for me. And I don't mean, I think that in life and in performance, you've got to have faith in something. It doesn't matter who you pray to even if that is your spirit i mean spirituality means even if you're sitting there yeah just sitting there like being silent first thing in the morning i am so big on that you know for, for the first 20 minutes of every morning your brain emits 10 point wave cycles per second okay your brain waves so if you want to be really in the zone you want to be careful of what you do for the first 20 minutes of every single morning and that is a sense of spirituality is there a certain thing you think is the best for the first 20 minutes? I know yeah. I've, heard, I've heard looking at the phone is terrible for that. It is. It's absolutely horrific. You're, you're, you're filling your brain with cortisol and, and things that you just don't want to be doing first thing in the morning. I always say, if you can get up, wash your face, sit down for at least at minimum 12 minutes in absolute silence and meditate, I call it, 
you may just call it silence, then you're setting yourself up for a good day. I'm so doing this tomorrow. <laughs> you so listen, motivated. if you do it for seven days, <laughs> let me know. You'll feel, the, you'll feel the effects. I go on and off with this. Like sometimes I'll meditate every day and then I, I definitely fall off and I, oh, all right. I they always say up. that. Yeah. No. So going back uh, to uh, you were introducing yourself, you said you're a brain coach. What exactly mm. is that? What, what do you do with that? So I call that's, I, I mean, I call myself a brain coach because <sighs> Your brain is a um, is something that you can't see. We don't really, we didn't really know too much about it. We still don't know too much about it. I think we, we only know really 10% of the brain right now. Even the best neurosurgeons in the world will say that. But what I mean is five years ago when I started neuroathletics and I was talking about neuroscience and performance, people were like, what are you talking about? They didn't really know too much about the brain. Then we, 2012, we saw a shift. People were talking about mindfulness. I mean, sorry, 2017, mindfulness. And then we started to talk more about brain health and it was amazing and I think now um, the way the reason why I call myself a brain coach is because well I have the access and the tools and the knowledge to scan your brain to figure it out and basically take on your brain as a personal training like training client so basically I look at your brain I'm like well you're here we want to get you here so I'm going to train you every single week whether that's physically, we're going to meet once a week, do some physical work, brain body-based exercises. We're going to implement a protocol of nutrition and supplementation. I'm going to track your sleep and we're going to do a lot of work over the next six to 12 months or even six to 12 weeks and yeah, get you to where you need to be. I take it everyone is different because I've, I've heard like everyone has a, a different neurology, obviously. So, so everyone's yeah. different. Everyone, like I, I, we always talk about on this podcast, like, all right, what is your, what's the optimal morning routine? And it, do you agree that it's, it depends it's person by person? Mm-hmm. It's person by person. I really believe that it comes down to your environment, comes down to what you want, how do you live your life? I really, I think it always comes down to what you want to achieve. Then we have to look at your environment. Um, but a morning routine is absolutely splendid. And I think if anybody can get into one, I mean, for me and, and the ones that I put out there to all of my athletes are, you do your 12 minutes of meditation in the morning. And then I get them to go into a method of breathing. Breathing is so big right now. Um, so many podcasts being released around breathing and breathing techniques. So I think that's wonderful. But if they can spend five minutes doing breath work, I always make them end with five minutes of visualization. Again, going back to the neuroplasticity. So for me, that is my, that's a starting point to a perfect morning. Visualization. Is that like, I know there's a mix of visualizing everything they want to be be accomplished, being accomplished and kind of feeling into that or what do you you mean by? So when we talk about visualization from a sports psychology perspective, we're talking about imagery. How well can you, imagine yourself in the position that you want to be where people go wrong is they do too much of this imagery. Like they put, they, you know, just let's say, for example, we have a soccer player and he wants to be, um, you know, his, his biggest goal is to be at the world cup. Instead of going so far into it, let's start small. Let's start in blocks and let's imagine ourselves. So if we do a six week imagery of you just, you know, 
going out onto the field, okay, for the first half. What does that look like? What does the perfect scenario look like for you? And the key is with your imagery, with any type of visualization, if you can mimic real life situations, if you can actually close your eyes and sense and trick your brain into believing that you're actually there, like feel the grass, hear the, the noise of your boots on the grass. What are you wearing? What's the crowd feel like? What does the air feel like? If you can make it cinematic and involve all the senses, you have a better way of producing the effects of visualization um, than just sitting there and just daydreaming about something that's that you don't really know about. And if you can do it daily, which is why I say structure your visualization process, oh, it's absolutely wonderful. You can actually, there's studies out there, don't quote me on this, but um, there are studies out there that show that you can really trick the brain into believing um, that something is true when it's just been imagined. I've heard, that, I've heard this on memory, like a lot of our memories are not actually accurate. Yeah, and it's, it's scary. I mean, uh, I hate to say it, but Hitler, um, was the one who said, you know, tell a lie long enough and you start to believe it. And it, it, it holds, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's scary, but it's like, well, that's interesting because then it's like, well, you can literally reimagine a situation that happened 10 years ago and just change it a bit. And then if you think about it in another year, you'll, you'll believe what the story that you told yourself a year ago, you know what I mean? So that's wonderful, but scary. This, this kind of reminds, it kind of makes me think of fake it till you make it. Oh, well, it reminds me of like, you know, if you argue with somebody and then, you know, you, you start to just believe that, you, you know, you didn't argue and then you, you cross the road and you see them again and they're all angry and you're like, hi, that never <laughs> happened. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's amazing, especially in sports psychology. Interesting. So visualization is something I added to my routine, I don't know, within like the past year, something I've been practicing. Um, and so you say you, you do it in blocks and so you mm. kind of start small. So how long do you do these blocks? Is it like six weeks for each block, like you said, or how do you know when to like go to the next one? Yeah, I, I personally would do six week blocks. And the reason is you want to keep the exact, I mean, it's not, if it was this easy, people would just be doing neuroplasticity with everything. It's a, it's hard. It's, it's not an easy thing to just close your eyes and, reprogram your brain. You have to do it over a long period of time and it has to be the exact same thing. So you want time for it to set in. And you know, the first two, three times you do it, it may not be perfect. So you want to keep imagining the exact same thing to the point where, you know, in six weeks, you're going to feel, you really will feel like you've actually probably been at the World Cup before. You'll be like, oh, have I been? Was I there? You know? So it takes yeah. a while. And the reason why I say in blocks is because we don't want to overload the brain. What we know about the brain is it's built for survival. We know that it doesn't like to be shocked. It doesn't like to be overloaded. So let's just be really, you know, be really, um, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to word this correctly, but be really vigilant in the way that you, process this so just doing six weeks you know cutting a soccer game up from just going from the locker room to first half sometimes we do this thing called set points with our um with our soccer players where we don't get them to do we don't say okay what are your goals for this game we say things we do set points which are mini goals which is like okay i want to do six touches or six passes in the first half of the game that's much better than i want to score a goal because then you're setting them up up for failure. You never know what can happen in a game. 
Oh, so I hear concentrating on the things they have control over. Like I want to yeah. have 10 goal shots on goal as opposed to I want to score a goal. Yeah, 100%. Hello, this is Kyle, your favorite co-host of the Social Ninjas podcast. Don't worry, I won't tell Jeremy. Uh, I just want to share with you all this really awesome mental health app designed specifically for men. So we all know that mental well-being takes practice, it takes strength, and it takes vulnerability, which for us men is sometimes kind of hard. It's not something that we fix, it's something that we honor. And no man needs to do that alone. That's where the Tether app comes into play. It's an area to practice those skills. With the app, you get access to peer programming, content, and a 24-7 support network where you can support other men and be supported yourself. It's not just a place to come when you're having a bad day. It's for every single day, and we celebrate a lot in the app. It's available on the App Store and Google Play Store for free. All you got to do is go check it out. Go download it. It is the Tether app, and that's T-E-T-H-R. Go download it right now, then come back to the podcast and listen. Cool. I'm going to ask one of my first, first question from one of my listeners, and yeah. that is, what do you think of microdosing? for uh, increased plasticity and brain healing or expansion? Yeah, a really good question, especially now that I'm looking into the realm of psychedelics, not for myself, just more so um, I've started to supplement with lion's mane, um, which is a form of mushroom. And when we talk about microdosing, there are a lot of biohackers out there who are microdosing with LSD um, and psilocybin all for performance purposes, I hope. But um, I think microdosing is going to be a very, very big thing in the future. And the reason is, I think we'll be, we're getting more into the science and science is revealing the positive effects of drugs such as LSD and how it can actually be performance enhancing in the right dosage. You know, the, the, the way that LSD is taken to another level is if you have too much of it and you end up flying, you think you can fly and you jump off a building. So yeah, I think, I mean, I've not done anything like that before, but I think that um, science is going to lead us into that way in the future. Interesting. So I yeah. saw you uh, post something on, on Instagram not too long ago. It was like, had like uh, several different emotions and then you like showed the different chemicals that the body is producing to mm. uh, come up with those emotions. Uh, what is it for anxiety? What are the different chemicals that are coming up? What's going on uh, in the brain? Yeah. So when we look at chemicals, what we're talking about is when we look at, you know, the word neurotransmitters, we're looking at chemicals that are produced when we, when the neurons synapse. So a synapse is when, you know, one neuron goes to the next and it, and it forms a synapse and they just keep firing together. And when we're anxious, we produce more of a, we produce one chemical, one neurotransmitter, then if we're really happy. And the reason why I posted that is because I wanted people to become aware of the fact that our emotions drive us and they can have a positive and negative effect on 
our heart, our heart health, and also our brain health. And there was a lot of talk at the time of people saying things like you can change your brain, you can change your life via thought alone. And I thought, well, if that is true, how do we, like, how do we pull this all apart and really understand how does that happen? And there's actually, um, there's so many chemicals that happen, so many neurochemicals like the dopamine, that, that's, that's the one that I put, the dopamine, serotonin, that are produced when we're frustrated and when we're angry that have an effect on our cardiac muscle. And over time, you can actually cause yourself sickness by, you know, producing too much of these no good chemicals. I mean, there's no, no good chemicals, but so for example, one, when you're anxious or stressed is cortisol, which gets released and it's our fight or flight hormone that basically tells your body, it shuts everything down. It shuts, you know, to an extent, it shuts the organs down, it shuts reproduction down and it says, okay, it starts to adrenaline and all this, um, all this blood is rushing through our body because it's basically telling your brain, there is a lion in front of us and we need to run and we need to get out. But sadly, what's happening is we're becoming anxious by looking at an Instagram post and we're, we're producing the same chemicals. So we've got all this rush of cortisol going through our bodies and it's just, it's not creating a great environment for us. That's a long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> I'm very, um, I, I'm very, yeah, I'm very, I go on a tangent. I like it. So next one is, um, what is the neurobiophysiology of self-love slash self-esteem? Mm. And then, um, what is the physiology of how CBT works on your brain? CBD or T? T. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Yeah. No, I was just thinking CBD oil. That's great. Um, so self-love. <laughs> yeah. So self-love. Neurobiology, but, physiology of self-love, self-esteem. I, I love that because, I mean... <laughs> when you look at self-love and self-acceptance, I mean, you look at neuro, the neurobiology of it. Well, I don't know too much about that, but what I can tell you is I know that our brain, this is actually, this is, I do a workshop every Wednesday with um, our boxes and I tried to get them, I tried to explain this to them. We've got this thing called the RAS, reticular activating system, meaning you've probably, I don't know, have you heard of this before? No, meaning basically says that show your brain what you want it to see. So if I say to you right now, I want you to look around the room, the room that you're in now, I want you to look around and find everything that's red. Okay. I don't know what your room looks like or where you guys are, but look around, find all the things that's, that are red. Can you have you found? Okay. Now do another thing find everything that looks black, all the black things, all the black objects, as much as you can see. Yeah, now look at me, back into the camera. Without looking anywhere, how many things in that room were yellow? You don't know, oh, right? No. Because <laughs> let me tell you, you're, you're reticular active. You to I told you and you told your brain, only look for red. So you, not, you noticed the red but you missed the yellow, okay? You noticed the black because I told you to, but you missed the yellow. Now, this is the same for life. Your brain will see what you want it to see. Now, I believe when it comes to, this is my take on it, when it comes to the neurobiology of, of self-love is 
your brain will believe what you tell it. If you go out and tell it that you are amazing, you are wonderful, you're a champion, this comes down into the power statements that I do with athletes, by the way, you're number one, you will believe it. So when it comes to self-love, you really need to take time and be precise. Journal is a really big thing. Pick up a journal and write. Write about what you what you want. Write about how you feel about yourself. Fix the errors in your life that are not giving you confidence. I think confidence is incredible. It's a powerful tool. And when you when you're confident, you have when you're confident, you have more self-love. So I think when it comes down to that, I think it's all about the reticular activating system. What can you do? What can you show your brain on a daily basis that's going to reinforce you that you are amazing? And just to um, end on that, someone a really great example of this is Muhammad Ali. He would always tell himself, I am the best, I am the greatest. There is a reason why he did that. There's a people would look at these athletes, you know, there's so many athletes that are on the top now who are very um you know they're very confident and people think that oh that's that's not a good way to be but if you are number one in the world you need to tell yourself that so you can keep doing that and i don't know yeah (laughs) this reminds me of the michael jordan documentary wasn't it amazing yeah (laughs) Yeah. yeah, no, that no, was probably no. the strongest thing was his mentality. <laughs> exactly. You have no, question, right. I got another question. We got some good ones. <laughs> this person says, ask about uh, synesthesia or Clive wearing. No what idea what is. Clive wearing is. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, is it a thing? But, oh, by know. the way, you did say, you did say, um, the, the last question we forgot to touch on it was CBT, um, mm. uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I mm-hmm. think that's in, in, I think that's um, amazing. That's more of the neuropsychological aspect of dealing with things. Um, I think I, my personal opinion, I think it's great. Um, a form of that in with could be through neurofeedback. And we do a lot of that with, um, with evoke neuroscience. We get a lot of our athletes after we scan their brains, we, do some neurofeedback training to calm their minds and calm their brains. I think there's so many different tools out there. Technology is being invented around cognitive behavioral therapy. And mark my words, 2020 is going to bring a whole new set of mental illnesses that we don't even know about. And I think that um, cognitive... Say more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're living in a world where being enclosed, don't get me wrong, I don't know... I'm in Sydney right now. It's different to obviously what you're going through in LA. You're on lockdown. I don't know how much people see. I don't, you don't know into people's lives. I know that people have lost their jobs. I think that this is going to create a, I I believe that there's going to be something called COVID PTSD. Like we're going to have people who have maybe been in the emergency room or, or they've lost a loved one to this. So they're going to have a whole new set of, um, illnesses and they're just gonna it's just going to exasperate like this pandemic is going to introduce so many different um yeah mental challenges that i'm i'm a i'm afraid of but open to seeing mm. i yeah. personally believe there's also a benefit in the sense of it's gonna it's gonna reset what we appreciate i think it's gonna have yeah. like when things open up like the small things are gonna be so powerful yeah. i got gratitude I got, I, 
Oh yeah, like uh, hedonic treadmill. I learned about today on a, on the oh treadmill, wow, like on the my my podcast I was listening to, and it's just so true. Like the small things that we took for granted are we're gonna be like, oh, that was amazing. I'm not gonna lie. I went to the I went to the dentist last week and I got a filling. It was so nice. <laughs> Even I was like getting drilled. I was like, wow, human contact. Human contact. <laughs> like my brain is like. I don't know why people are not just fleeing to Mexico. I've got a lot of friends who are in Mexico. I'm like, I'm like, why isn't everyone doing that? So, get out, get out in nature. Um, but yeah, I, did that, I hope that, I did that today. I went to oh, nature today. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh man, my brain, my brain was just like try to stop me from going to nature every time it tries. Yeah. You know what's interesting, just um, along the lines of nature and everything we're talking about, is we can make a lot of things up, and we start to believe our lies, right? We can make up thoughts, you know, anxious thoughts about where the world is going. No one knows, but there's so many theories out there, right? It's like, and then you start to believe them and we get caught up and then we get stressed. Then we produce more of those um, no good chemicals and no good neurotransmitters. And then they circulate and we end up in a mess. So I think I'm trying to teach my parents this to not look at the news too much because every morning they call me at 7am and they run through the headlines of the news. I'm like, mm -hmm. why? Like, it's just a, so it's, it's scary. So we need a, we need to really keep on top of that. Yeah, Very for well sure. <laughs> and this reminds me, uh, I used to have this alarm and I turned it off just for this, this, uh, reason, but it would like tell me like, uh, as it, instead of it just being like a noise it would like talk to me and be like it's 6 a.m and it's gonna be this temperature and then it's like here's the headlines for today I'm like no i don't want to hear it <laughs> so i just had to turn it on i was like no i don't want that <laughs> yeah just become oblivious i'm sure the the most oblivious people out there are the happiest yeah <laughs> <laughs> the more you, it's scary because it's like especially for me the more you know it's like especially when it comes to neuroscience like the more you know it's it's like oh my god like now it's very I, I, I will like kick myself if I'm eating something with sugar because I know what it's doing to me and I'm like gone are the days where I could just pick up a candy bar and just be you know so carefree it's like oh, why it, did I read that study <laughs> If you're gonna eat it you might as well enjoy it that's the thing like if you're gonna exactly. do it you're gonna do it um two more questions we have um yeah she wrote mindfulness and mental health and then she put polyvagal theory wow these are really precise um questions so mindfulness so first of all we've got this connection from the brain to the to the gut that the entire body is called the, the vagus nerve so we've got this theory now in that's been going around on social media saying things like um, cold baths, ice cold baths, and which I'm a very big fan of, by the way, cold thermogenesis or singing or doing specific things is going to activate vagal, the vagus nerve. Now, if you take that to a medical practitioner, they're going to disagree because if your vagus nerve is not activated, you're dead. Okay. So, it's interesting because we're always, if you, you can merely just open your mouth and you've activated your vagus nerve. So I think we need to be cautious with that. Yeah. You're just activating it. So we don't need to do specific things around that. Um, but when it comes to mindfulness and mental health, and like I said, I'm a very big um, advocate of, I think everyone should be adopting any type of mindfulness ritual in their daily practice. Yeah. 
something as simple like for example I, i'm in a rut sometimes i will just all right i need to get out of my head and i will literally say out loud everything i'm physically doing i'm now sitting mm. in the chair i'm looking at my phone over here i'm looking at my charger oh look my water container it makes me think of and it sounds ridiculous but it works if you want um a quick pro tip um is if you're ever in this in this motion what you want to do is you want to change your state okay if you change your state your entire mindset will change so if you're feeling any sluggish and you just stare you know sometimes you're just staring into the wall and you just are oblivious and you just want to get out of it stand up and literally run on the spot really fast for a minute or do 20 jumping jacks and just get your heart rate firing to like you know 190 percent and just you know go for it and then you'll change you'll feel a, a mint an immense change in your mental state. Got it. I can't wait to try that. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do the last one. This person says, what part of the brain is concentrated on how we think? Well, okay. So like I mentioned earlier, that's, I mean, there's this, th I mean, the prefrontal cortex, which is involved in our decision-making and thinking abilities, but the entire brain, really is involved when it comes to thinking because there's so many different pathways. Like for example, your eyes, people think that your eyes see everything. Whereas your brain sees it, your eyes are actually connected to the brain. So we can't just look at the brain and think of what area of the brain is involved in thinking. Okay. Because that's the whole brain. And there's this myth saying that we only use 10% of our brain. And if that was true, I'm sure you'd be dead right now. And I really want the world to know that that is a myth. And I want to debunk that you are using 100% of your brain, 100% of the time. You are never using 10% of your brain. So um, yeah, I, I mean, prefrontal cortex is, um, is involved in the question that she just asked. Cool. I love these questions. Yeah. Is, it, is, there, is the first time I've actually done like a Q&A. Usually we just kind of do it organically, but I, just, I want to do something different. Yeah. Well, that's um, good. This one, this, this one, this one's interesting because um, I know this person and, um, and for them, what happened is for out of nowhere, she got a neurological disorder and all of a sudden she just can't walk every now and then. And yeah. And so she can sometimes walk it, two kilometers. And she, is she it really MS? I don't think it's, I don't know if it's MS, but she talks about like, what do you think about functional neurological disorder? And if there's any like re re revelations, I'm guessing she's asking. Well, obviously not being a medical practitioner, not putting out any medical advice here. Um, but from what I can tell, this realm of functional neurology um, is, is quite interesting. I'm, um, I'm talking to somebody who's, in that space and maybe like just getting some information of him. And I think really, you know, that's, I don't know if she's got a complete diagnosis of what she has, but once you understand what you have, I think then move on to other things like is medicine not an option for what she has. Um, and then functional urology. I think it's a, um, I think it's a really new field, but it comes along the lines of, um, you know, functional, uh, functional medicine, plant-based medicine. Um, which I think there's, I just haven't done too much um, research onto it. Cool. And then last question is ask her about the hard problem of consciousness. The hard problem. Of consciousness. 
Mm. <sighs> My views on consciousness? I guess so. <laughs> the hard, he, he wrote, ask her about the hard problem of consciousness. Interesting. When we look at consciousness, I think we, my theory is everyone has a different theory when in your, like neuroscientists are all different with this. I believe that the mind and brain are two separate things. I believe that the mind lives in the brain and the way I describe it is the brain is the house and the mind is the furniture. And if there's this massive windstorm that comes around and you're unconscious, meaning you're not aware or woke or whatever you want to call it, and you haven't built up the bricks of the house, you've just let it, you know, slide away, what's going to happen? Well, this massive thunderstorm is going to come or this massive hurricane is going to wash out the house and then the house is going to come crumbling down and it's going to break all the furniture. Meaning if you don't have a, a, a high performing brain and you don't work like a muscle, it's going to ruin your mindset. That's how I think about it. And that's how I think about consciousness, meaning that we can activate certain areas via meditation. Um, some people doing it via, um, via microdosing with, um, like I said, with psilocybin. That's the main reason why people go on these psychedelic experience to access that area of the subconscious things that they can't really access when they're lucid or awake and, and, you know, in everyday life. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a powerful tool. If you, if you're able to just, if you're able to access little components of um, the unconscious mind to prepare yourself for everyday life, because like I said, if you're working your brain and you're going to have a strong mind. Wow. So shout out to everybody asking those awesome questions. <laughs> I wish I could be a better, I mean, I, I wish I could um, answer them like, more deeply but yeah no i thought you did an awesome job yeah that, that was really good i have a lot of notes here <laughs> i like that so we like to ask all our guests this if you had the ability to send a message to everybody in the world what would your message be oh damn <laughs> <The> message would... <laughs> i love your response <laughs> um my message would be the mind is what the brain does. If you can work your, if you can on a daily basis, work your brain the same way that you work your body, you're setting yourself up your entire life for success. Um, it's yeah. And that's in one sentence. I mean, but right now it could definitely be wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> the mind is what the brain does on a daily basis if you can work your brain like you work your body work your body yep you're setting yourself your your life up for success i love it awesome yeah it goes along with the something we kind of talk about a lot which is should treat your mental health just as important as your physical health yeah that's one of our our uh big mission statements or parts of our mission is to really yeah i always we always joke there's so much truth in a dynamic of there's such a in my judgment a taboo like getting going to therapy as soon as you you know you go to therapy something's wrong with you and it's just like i think it's brave for someone to go mm -hmm. to therapy super brave mm -hmm. obviously find the right therapist but like you know first off you I deserve think, help it's brave uh, 
100% talking anything out with a, a trained professional is never going to do harm. Yeah, absolutely. Social media? Uh, I'll yes. for you. You're usually the one. <laughs> I'm, um, I, you? I'm active on, on Instagram, my personal one, which is the diamond boss underscore at the end. Um, my company's page, neuroathletics. And yeah, I have a, a neuroscience based podcast as well. So everything on neuroscience and neurology and beyond um, is on the neuro experience podcast. Wow. Yeah. I would love to hear an episode about like two guys who had social anxiety and then like totally beat it. That'd be amazing. Do you know um, <laughs> my buddy Mark? Do you know Mark Metry? Not that I know of. Oh, you, he's just written a book on social anxiety and uh, he's amazing. You sh I can introduce you guys. Sure. You're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, with that, we will see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. 